Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the CIAC cast. We certainly appreciate you being with us for episode eight of the CIAC cast. Obviously, a little bit of a somber mood across the country this week, and certainly no different here in the CIAC headquarters as we all uh, reflect on what happened in Boston earlier in the week, and we won't dwell on that other than to say that certainly our thoughts and prayers of everyone at the CIAC, and I know the whole state of Connecticut are with those impacted in Boston. I've actually had been fortunate enough to run three marathons in my life, and uh, they are incredibly joyous and supportive events, so it's certainly very upsetting to see such a wonderful event impacted in this way, but I know that people are resilient and will continue to pull together, and that's one of the great things that we love about uh, athletics and certainly carries on into the high school sports world as well, where folks pull together and a great way to bring communities together through the athletic competition. So wanted to get those thoughts out of the way, and then we'll talk about this week's week's CIC cast episode, which is a little bit different. This week, we're going to be focusing on the CIC network and the CIC partnership with Play On Sports. And as part of that, our guest this week will include Play On CEO David Rudolph, as we'll talk to him about some of the bigger picture issues and plans for the CIC network. And then on a little bit more of a local level, we will chat with Don Boyle of the CIC network, who handles much of the game coverage here in the state of Connecticut that we've been able to do through the CIC network so far, and talk to him about his role and how the process works on the ground of putting together CIAC broadcasts. So we're very excited about those gets this week, and let's quickly get through our regular feature of the things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. Speaking of the CIC network, one of the new additions of the CIACsports.com, if you go to the home page or really any page on the website, on the right sidebar, there is now a schedule of upcoming CIC network broadcasts. So for folks who just check out the uh, CIACsports.com and aren't able, haven't been able to get over to CIAC.tv, you can see what coverage will be coming soon on the CIAC network. So a nice new feature there on CIACsports.com. Also had two great new features posted this week on CIACsports.com. One of them from contributor Ken Lipschiz, who wrote a very nice piece about the Newtown girls lacrosse team and how it is still dealing with the aftermath of the tragic events in their town this past fall and how other teams, uh, in this case the Hall girls lacrosse team, have reached out to them and sort of help with their healing process. So certainly a great piece there. And also a new feature from MaxPreps.com as Ned Griffin profiles Massac outfielder Thomas Malone, who has garnered lots of attentions from scouts as one of the top high school prospects in the country in baseball. So check out both of those pieces on CIACsports.com. And that's all for the things you might have missed, and let's get right into our discussion about Play On Sports and the CIAC Network. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the CIAC partnered with Play On Sports beginning last spring to provide live online coverage of events, beginning with some state championship finals last spring. That expanded to some regular season games this fall, and we've continued to grow over the first two uh, sports seasons this year to some regular season coverage and then championship coverage as well. And to give fans a better understanding of the program, how it works, and what might be in store for the future. We thought talking to some folks from PlayOn would be an interesting listen for you all, so I'm thrilled to introduce at this time David Rudolph, the CEO of PlayOn Sports, to talk to us a bit about the CIAC network. David? Thanks for for chatting with me. I appreciate it. So um, I guess, you know, starting off here, I just wanted to to get a sense of what were sort of the the origins of PlayOn and what were the the sort of impetus to focus on high school sports, you know, rather than maybe some other arenas? It goes back a long time, and, and as with any business, there's a kind of a meandering journey. So, But I'll, I'll try to shortcut a little bit. But the, the origins uh, trace back uh, for me both personally and professionally. Professionally, uh, I used to work at Turner Broadcasting and, and ran one of our entertainment networks, and uh, it was a it was a, a southeastern based uh, focused network, and we were constantly being approached uh, by people with sports rights. Um, you know, a lot of college rights and golf tournaments and tennis tournaments and things of that nature. We just never could make the economics work from a live television perspective, and that was a, a professional frustration that I was interested in adding uh, a lot of this content. But just again, the cost of doing live TV doesn't work uh, yeah. for a lot of sports. 
Then on the personal level, uh, I went to Georgia Tech and season ticket holder in a couple of sports and on the board and things of that nature. And there was a Georgia Tech at North Carolina football game that wasn't televised. And uh, it happened to fall on my birthday, and my wife had thrown a birthday party, so I couldn't go to the game. And it annoyed me that I couldn't watch it. Uh, so basically those two things collided. And I said, you know, in this uh, day and age of burgeoning Internet and video streaming, this was pre-YouTube and, you know, kind of all the things that make video streaming uh, kind of normal today. Yeah. There's got to be a better way to take these events that aren't on TV and and produce them and, and distribute them in a in a new way. So we started the business inside of Turner. It initially had a, a college focus, and uh, the first uh, client we had was the Atlantic Coast Conference. The, the product was called ACC Select. Uh, so we commercially launched that about six years ago. Uh, we ran the business inside of Turner for about two years, and then four and a half years ago, I left and spun the business out of Turner, and that's when we uh, changed the focus of the business from college to high school. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would imagine you know, sort of dealing with some of the state associations, and obviously you have the, a relationship with, with the CIAC that we're very, very happy with. Um, you know, for, I would imagine, kind of working with these associations, this was uncharted territory to some degree. How did, was the sort of process of kind of explaining, you know, what, what we could do and, and what the opportunities were, um, and what were sort of some of the challenges in getting those that that process started, uh, you know, in working with the states to to start making some of this content available. Yep, no, you're exactly correct. And and what what we talk about is, um, you know, as we start discussions with a new state association, part of what we're doing is selling, uh, but a lot of what we're doing is educating. Yeah. And and I don't mean that in a negative way. You know, this is this is new. This is uh, it's it's not only new for the associations, it's new for us. So. When we spun this business out of Turner, we actually had a much broader focus than just high school. We were looking at a couple of different applications, and uh, we specifically chose high school because I, I met a, a guy named Tim Eichhorst who had a company called When We Were Young Productions based in uh, in Madison who'd been doing exclusively high school at the time for six or seven years. And um, as he explained to me how the high school marketplace worked and how he he focused on associations and what his relationship looked, it kind of clicked for me. Yeah. Like uh, it just resonated. I was like, "That's the right model." So we started a partnership with Tim, and that was really our, our kind of first jump uh, into the high school space. And then from there, we said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna kind of use your model and see if we can replicate some of the success uh, in the southeast." Because at the time, Tim was working with Wisconsin, which was his first state, and, and Michigan. Yeah. And so. Uh, you know, we, we kind of came back and said, "All right, let's focus on Georgia." And you know, if we can't get get our own backyard uh, on board and make it work, it's going to be hard to, to sell anybody else. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it, and it's like it, it, with any business, you know, the the first customer is always the hardest to sign up. Um, and but once you get that, you know, if you do a good job, then your customers can be your best reference. Um, so that's that's one thing that we do today is. We certainly go and explain what we do and, and try to spend time and, and help people understand what the benefits are. But at the same time, we tell them, like, just go call five or ten of your, your peers who work with us and, you know, get their experience and, and hear from them what their, uh, what their, what the benefits have been. And so it, it, it's gotten to a point now where it, it somewhat sells itself. Yeah. Um, because again, as you know, these, the high school associations is a very close knit group. And, yes. Uh, there's a lot of communication between them, so uh, that, that's where most of our new clients come from. Would be you know references from our existing partners. Yeah. Now you know, and this is I, I think it's a cliche sort of thing to say, but you know, once something like this starts, and obviously with technology, the technology you know advances and you know is is moving so quickly, and you know one sort of innovation becomes commonplace sort of so quickly, uh, you know, and this has obviously been you know we've been working with now with uh, Play On for for almost a year with our our soft launch last spring, but and already you know we've seen. Uh, the growth in terms of coverage of events, but in in your mind, where do you sort of see this going? What what's sort of the the future like with the CIC network, maybe in particular, or or with Play On sort of in general? What, what what's the future look like with this sort of um you know uh, cooperation and program? Uh, 
Broadly, and, and this applies in Connecticut, but this uh, is bigger, we see uh, that over the next decade, every single high school sporting event will be broadcast live. Um, that, that's the macro trend, and that is, it actually has nothing to do with us or associations or schools. That really comes down to, to two factors, one being technology, as, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, uh, but the other uh, forces is consumers. You know, there's there's a growing consumer demand and expectation for this. The technology enables it. You know, it, it it's getting cheaper every day to produce content at a higher quality. It's getting cheaper every day to distribute that content. It's getting cheaper every day to distribute that content to a wide variety of, of devices. Um, but that doesn't make a market. What makes a market is that consumer expectation. So. Even in the four years that we've been doing it, um, you know, we've seen it go from a novelty. So again, you know, people would see it and go, "Oh, wow, that's cool! I can watch that game." To now, it's emerging uh, where there's an expectation that you know, if it's a game that we covered in the past that we're not covering, there's frustration and sometimes anger. Yeah. But it's even spilling over into things we haven't covered, where people are saying, "What do you mean? Why aren't you covering this? I want to be able to watch this game or my kid or." Um, so those those two things, and again, we, we put it on a kind of a 10-year horizon. I, that might be five years or that might be 15 years. But but we believe that in the next 10 years, um, again, both driven by technology and consumer expectations, that, that every uh, game is going to be broadcast live. So uh, to boil it down to the Connecticut level, that's our expectation, is that yeah. within a 10-year period, uh, consumers and, and fans out there would be able to watch every broadcast, whether it's a state championship game or it's a regular season game or a JV game or you know, maybe even practices at some, at some point. Yeah. Um, that, and, and that's, uh, I'd say, you know, in the, in the year uh, that we've been working in Connecticut, we're, we're certainly on our, on our way, just both the event coverage, the quality, uh, but also the, the audience growth we've seen kind of points to the same trend we're seeing elsewhere. That again, once consumers get exposed to it, it goes from novelty to expectation, and and from there, then that somewhat flips the model where, you know, they're the ones encouraging schools to become a part of the school broadcast program, produce their own games, and and make it a, you know, a convenient experience for the fans. Sure, you know, and and just to to editorialize briefly, I, I think one of the things that's so you know, exciting about this program and this, you know, relationship for the associations is that, you know, as far as play on and, and the CIC network are concerned, you know, there's no difference between, uh, you know, a state football championship, which might, you know, be one that people would think would be available, you know, live and all that sort of thing. And, a you know, a wrestling championship or a, a you know, a, a quote unquote, you know, non sort of revenue sport that, you know, the, the online access allows, sort of equal, uh, you know, equal access for all of these sports and all of these championships, which I, I think is certainly exciting and I'm sure is, is part of the appeal for you folks as well. Yeah, and it's a good point. I appreciate you bringing it up. You know, that's, that is an important thing for the association to, to make sure that the, you know, quote-unquote big sports aren't the only ones getting covered. And, and so because the associations are a partner, that's certainly a part of, of what we do. But by doing it, what we've also found is a lot of those sports actually uh, are some of our biggest audiences. You know, our, our nationwide, the biggest audiences we generate are actually for wrestling. Yeah. It's not for football. It's not for basketball. Uh, we do quite well with uh, some of the, the other non-obvious sports. Uh, track and field does well. Swimming does well. In certain states, lacrosse is a, is a, a very big draw. Uh, girls volleyball is a, you know, a, a big draw in certain states. Cheerleading does extremely well. So yep. while it... It probably started as, uh, you know, helping support the mission of our associations. It's actually grown into, you know, a good business solution. For us, we are we look at this. This is a volume-based business. There's no one or five or ten or even 50 events in a state that are the, the ones to have. Yeah. Instead, you know, we are much more focused on providing a platform and a service that's across everything so the consumers start to have that expectation of, hey, if I want to watch it, it's there. So we 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 measure things more around volume and, and quantity of events than by you know specific events and, and individual audiences for those events. Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, I'll sort of team up on the next two questions here because I think they're probably the two that maybe come to, to our office the most. So I will uh, sort of redirect them here just to sort of get your, your view on them. One, um, probably the biggest change, at least initially from the, uh, you know, sort of launch of our CIC network um, was this winter, uh, during the winter season, we moved to a subscription model. Um, so I guess the first question would be sort of what was the, the impetus for that change and, and what do you see as the benefit for the fans? And then sort of the second question, which is I see is sort of tangentially related, um, you know, and this we get asked this all the time, and I'm sure you folks have, have data and have studied this, is, you know, do you see an impact on attendance, you know, with in terms of games, you know, now being available live? Have, have you seen that that ends up impacting, uh, you know, attendance at contests? So I'll sort of team up those two questions for you. All right, two good questions. I'll, I'll tackle the subscription piece first. When we first launched this business uh, six or seven years ago with the ACC, uh, we initially launched with a consumer subscription model, uh, very similar to, as you mentioned, what we, we rolled out this winter. Um, and it, it was very painful then. And, and some of the, the lessons we learned then we've applied, but also what, what we've noted is that the world of, of the Internet and the world of, of broadcasting live content on the Internet has changed dramatically in the last six or seven years. Again, yes. as I mentioned, when we started this, there was no YouTube. I don't know YouTube is a, is a free product, but it, it is normal now for people to not only watch uh, video and live events on the computer, but increasingly to watch them on, on other devices as well. Yes. As that's happened, you know, what what people probably don't realize it is most of the video absent YouTube on the web and, and especially live events is under some sort of a subscription model. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, there's 35 million or so people who subscribe to Netflix on a monthly basis. They, they understand that model, but you know, people think of, of ESPN three or, you know, MLB.tv or things of that nature. Um, you know, ESPN three is actually a subscription model. You're just paying for it through your cable bill. Right. Uh, so we have known from the beginning that uh, high school sports, you know, what it has in common with other sports out there is that last word, and it's, it's sports, uh, you know, and it's live, and there's an expectation from consumers around a, a quality of coverage and a quality of, of viewing experience. That It doesn't mean we've got to have 50 cameras producing a game like an NFL game, but it, it's got to be a, a quality broadcast uh, in order for it to be a, a good viewing experience for fans. Right. So with that being sports uh, and with it being live, uh, the other challenge with live is that means your shelf life to monetize that generate revenue is very short because it's you know most of your audience is in that live window. After that, it, it disappears versus a movie where, again, you release a movie. A lot of people watch it the opening weekend, but that movie, it, it might earn revenue for 20 years yep. after that. Um, Sports, it's again, it's a very narrow window and a very short shelf life. So with that, we knew that we were going to have to follow uh, similar business models that have worked in every other sport. And if you look at every other sport from pro to college, uh, you've got to have a dual revenue stream. Yep. And it's a, it's a dual revenue stream of subscription and advertising. We, early on, wanted to not put subscription in place because, again, what we wanted to do is expose people to the content. We wanted to learn a lot, again, from, you know, wow, look, a lot of people are watching wrestling, and maybe we need to emphasize some of the other sports like that. Uh, but we also knew that as this grew, uh, we would have to make the move uh, to adding a, a subscription component. And so we started this winter. Um, because uh, there's a bunch of different models that are kind of out there. One being uh, what we refer to as authenticated subscription. It's also called TV everywhere or over the top, and that's again where we would form a relationship with a Comcast and a Time Warner Cable and a, a DirecTV, those existing distributors that people get their video content from. Right. They would they would pay us uh, a monthly license fee for their subscribers to have access to it. Uh, and in return, they would provide that to subscribers uh, as a part of their their service. Yeah. Um, and and that's a that's a model that's in discussion and play and very well could become a, a reality. Um, but at the same time, as if something like that were to start rolling out, what we couldn't have happen is let's say we did a deal with Comcast. I don't know the distribution makeup in Connecticut, but I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of homes that don't have Comcast uh, subscription. They have some other provider. Sure. 
if we said to those homes, I'm sorry, you don't have it, you have no access to it, that would be a challenge. Yeah. Um, so what we are pursuing is, is you know, there will be a, a subscription access to the product, what we call consumer subscription, very similar to, to Netflix or Major League Baseball's uh, online product. Um, and then, you know, if there uh, becomes in the future uh, authenticated access to it, then that would just overlay on top of the consumer subscription. Now, as we introduce subscription, uh, this is, again, it's been a learning experience for us in terms of what are the right packages that people want to buy in terms of day and week and month and the different price points. And um, it, there will be constant tweaks to it as sure. we look to make the consumer experience better, and we will continue to make uh, some content free. Yeah. Um, you know, currently the on-demand product is is available for free. Um, but the other kind of the other big picture is, as you said a, a minute ago, you know, on the technology side of things, um, there there is a kind of growing consumer expectation that they can watch this content whenever and wherever. Yeah. And right now, to stream this content to the PC is not that big of a technical challenge. To get this to mobile devices is a very complex challenge because of the different formats it has to go in and sizes and it's called transcoding. It's just a, it's a it's it's an investment that we have to make. And then now you know there's an expectation uh, or people want to be able to watch this on their TVs through yep. over the top services, whether it's a Roku or a Boxy or Xbox and. So all of those things are, are things that we want to provide, but we've got to have a revenue base to support it to allow us to continue to make those investments. So um, it's a long-term play. Um, it's it's not being done kind of in the short term just to try to extract as much revenue with it. Uh, we understand that there comes an expectation uh, from consumers that there be a great experience around that, that not only watching that event has got to be great, but their whole experience interacting with the product has got to be great. So. Uh, as we go forward, we'll continue to invest in new products and services uh, and new uh, viewing experience. So just to give you two quick examples of those, one thing that we are slated to launch this fall will be a service where uh, viewers will be able to, to clip live highlights oh, wow. uh, on their own while they're watching games and then distribute that through social media. So uh, we currently do that now. Um, on our end, but by opening this up to consumers, different fans are going to clip different things. Maybe it's their kid or you know someone they know. They would probably clip a different highlight than we would clip. But but to give consumers that experience to really personalize it and then share that with uh, with people through their social networks is a commandment. Another one is, you know, as you get into the postseason time and playoffs, you know, many times there's a lot of concurrent events going on. So. And we'll be launching a, a multi-screen experience where oh, instead of just watching one game, you know, you can pop up. It, it's currently designed as a four-screen experience, but you can pop in up to four different games and swap those out and kind of keep your eye on, on multiple things that are going on. So that, that's an example of just kind of two things that are in the pipeline in the near term that we'll be launching to continue to enhance the, the consumer experience. That's great. Uh, the second question, remind me again. Uh, the, the impact on attendance. Yep. Much debated, um, <laughs> yes. as you know. And, and, and you know, I, I have, a, I have a, a philosophy on this, but at the same time I'm, I'm, I'm quick to admit that I don't have a lot of data to back it up. Uh, at the same time, I don't think there's a lot of good data out there either way. I, I think, you know, a lot of folks have – opinions and hunches on this, but nobody really has a lot of concrete evidence to back it up. Um, what we talk with associations is that media exposure, uh, as you look at the history of, of sports uh, industries, media exposure has not contracted attendance. It actually has expanded the awareness of the game. It's expanded the number of fans, and it over time expands the attendance as well, you know, whether you want to look at Pro sports like the NFL or Major League Baseball or, or even at the college levels, attendance is at an all-time high, while media exposure is at an all-time high. Yeah. Um, now there are probably um, you know some cases or some years where you can you can look in there and say, no, see here's where you know attendance dipped or went down. What what we kind of point to is is there are really two factors that impact attendance. Uh, number one is the matchup teams are playing. So if you have two teams that both, let's take a state championship game, that, that live close to that venue um, 
versus two teams from opposite ends of the state that have to travel a great distance, you know which game is going to have better attendance. Right. The second factor that, that, that greatly impacts it is weather. Mm-hmm. If it's a beautiful day, um, you're going to have great attendance. If it is miserably cold or pouring down rain, you're going to have poor attendance. So those are the, those are the two things that, that definitely impact attendance. What, what we talk about is that what this does is this exposes the content to a wider variety of fans who were never going to attend in the first place. Because yep. if, if this is your child or someone important to you or, or your school, sitting and watching it on a computer screen or your phone, it's not a replacement for being there in person. Right. Being there in person, it's that excitement. It's that uh, interaction with the people next to you, giving the high five when, you know, something happens or, you know, shoulder to cry on when something bad happens for your team. You don't get that when you're sitting at home or you're watching it on your phone. So yeah. what what this does is this exposes it, whether it's people in your state who can't attend because they've got something else or, or you know, people outside the state who never would have had a chance to, to watch this content. So it, overall, it's about growing the brand, growing the exposure, growing the awareness, uh, which ultimately down the line um, should lead to larger attendance, not less attendance. Yeah, and certainly uh, we, we've gotten some great feedback, uh, you know, from folks, whether it's parents of coaches or grandparents or, or you know, school alumni uh, who have been able to see events, you know, that just certainly just weren't available to them before. And that's certainly uh, something that we're excited about. Um, well, I uh, appreciate you taking all the time here, David. We just got one more. Uh, I'll sort of get you out of here on, on this question. Um, you mentioned earlier the the school broadcast program, and I think that that's something that that our listeners would certainly uh, appreciate knowing a little bit more about, uh, whether they're you know coaches or, or school administrators or students. Can you talk a little as, uh, about the school broadcast program and and how schools can get involved in it, in it and uh, you know sort of what exactly it is you folks are doing with that with that program? Yeah, I'll give a little uh, historical perspective uh, as I talk about it. So, again, I'll go back. You know, our focus is on broad coverage. Um, there's only so many games in a year in any state that we can cover. Uh, that's just, you know, a fact of, of resources and, and you know, there's take a, a, a football Friday night. Um, you know, there's a lot of games going on at the exact same time that uh, from a, just a production standpoint, it's not feasible for – one entity to be able to cover. So given that fact, but also given that we wanted uh, to extend the platform to the member schools of our association partners, that was kind of the impetus for us to put together the, the school broadcast program about three and a half years ago. Um, and it was it was very closely tied into, uh, as we started working with some of our, our first associations, we developed kind of the theory um, in that, look, we want to extend the same tools that we use to enable schools to self-produce uh, their regular season events and then also postseason events that we're not covering. Um, so, again, like anything else, to start as a theory, then we had to kind of develop that into a product, and then we had to go get a, a couple of schools to, to buy into that vision and be the guinea pigs and, and try it. Yeah. Um, and and we have learned a tremendous amount over the last couple of years uh, to the point where we're we're obviously continuing to learn but at this point we have over 500 schools uh who are participating and and producing content um and are using it in a wide variety of ways so um it initially was was focused on giving schools a platform to produce uh their sports events and right. schools obviously continue to do that but the amount of content that schools are producing that's non-sports blows me away every day. I mean, actually, I, j- I just looked at uh, what we're, we're producing today, and I think there's, when I say we, uh, what, what's kind of going through our platform today. Most of the content uh, from today is, is actually school-produced content. Um, and I think it's, uh, I don't know, close to 100 events or so today. I bet it's close to a 50-50 split between sports and non-sports. So oh, wow. A lot of schools are using it for their, uh, their their daily newscast or, you know, schools have different kind of names for it. Some, sometimes they stream those live while they're also being broadcast live within the school. Sometimes they're just putting them up for archive purposes. But sure. They're doing plays, they're doing meetings, they're doing, uh, we had one of our schools in South Carolina just won a big award that they did, uh, 
uh, a community. Uh, it was a, a, a debate around a, an election, um, and they again used their their broadcast platform to be able to and partnered up with the local newspaper to cover these debates. Not not an in school debate. These were you know people running for city council or, or something along those lines. So oh, wow. they're they're using it you know <clears throat> beyond just you know cover school events as well. Which again it's. Uh, the the value proposition of schools is we're giving you the platform, you know we're going to give you the tools, we're going to make it easy. Uh, what you do with it after that is up to you. Sure. So I, I'd say at the top end, we have schools that produce over 500 events a year. Oh my. Um, and again, now that's you know much broader than just sports. And then we have schools who, you know, use it to produce maybe 20 or 30 events a year that are that are heavily focused on on schools. So again, what it what it what it provides schools with is uh, the ability to generate exposure, um, the ability to make it convenient for the fans and for the community. And again, this is you know where parental expectations come in. Is once they see it, they're like, "Okay, if that school's doing it. Why don't we have this at our school?" Sure. Um, and it also gives them an opportunity to develop a new revenue stream. Um, to date. That has been advertising, so it's another thing that, that schools can package in as they go approach their local sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are rolling out a subscription version of that as well, of which uh, we'll split that with the schools. Um, so again, you know, as, as they create more content, as they get more fans in there to watch it, as that uh, converts into subscriptions, that could be a, a meaningful revenue stream for uh, schools going forward. But what we've learned is is that. Uh, as schools get on board, it's actually revenue opportunity is actually the the lowest priority for them. Yeah. Uh, the the number one priority of why schools get on board is for the educational experience for students. That you know they they're they're fine with the exposure for sports, but to give kids the opportunity to to participate in live broadcast, they yep. go out to the world. You know these aren't closed circuit television or, or little, you know, reels that nobody's ever these these are going out to the world to and, and to let kids have the experience being a producer, a director, a camera person, a play by play. Um that that education, <clears throat> whether kids want to pursue this professionally or not, it's a very valuable experience. And so that's the number one reason uh that, that schools sign up. The number two is for that exposure as I talked about and you know convenience for parents, fans, uh, members of the community as well. And then you know number three is is the revenue potential, which um, you know we emphasize the school that 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 is coming and that's that that should be meaningful. But again the the motives at this point are, are more around the education exposure uh, uh, benefits that they get out of it. Yeah. So uh, just uh, sort of as the to put a, a punctuation mark on it here, um, if we, you know, if we do some folks hear this, uh, how should, you know, students or, or folks at a school go about kind of getting involved in the program? Is there a, a contact person specifically at PlayOn for that program that we can pass along to, to any of our listeners who are interested? Yeah, there's some information on the website. Uh, so at, at Play on Sports, uh, you also can just uh, kind of email info at playonsports.com. And somebody I get back in touch, but we've we've got a, a dedicated team who focuses on this. Um, you know, they, they work with schools individually to make sure that they understand what it is and what's acquired and how they get started. Uh, it's not at a point where it's just this you know cookie cutter sign up online and sure. you know, here's how you get going. There, it's a little bit a little bit more complex than that. But um, yeah, we, we we certainly have started to get more inbound requests as people. Uh, see more schools getting involved, and and if if folks are listening and and want to hear more about it, whether you're a, a parent and are interested from your school's perspective or an administrator, um, you know, find some information. There's information on the website with lots of links to it, or you can just send a, a quick email uh, with your contact info uh, to info at Play on Sports, and someone will get in touch real quick. Great, yeah. Someone who uh, who did some play-by-play of local high school basketball games on the uh, you know the cable access channel when he was in high school, I certainly uh, would have killed for an opportunity like that uh, in my high school days. So certainly a, a really cool program that we hope folks uh, take advantage of. And as you said, you know the more coverage is is the better at this point. So we encourage uh, folks to get involved with that. David, we uh, greatly appreciate your time here, taking some uh, time to chat with us about all the exciting things that uh, PlayOn is doing and the the sort of burgeoning relationship 
with the CIAC and the, the CIAC network. We encourage folks to check out uh, Play On Sports website as well as uh, CIAC.tv to see all the, the great options that are there for us. But we uh, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. All right. Our very sincere thanks to David Rudolph for taking the time to chat with us. Really interesting conversation about uh, play on sports and the CIC network, some of the things that we're trying to accomplish here, and hopefully produce a great experience for our fans. That's really what we're we're trying to accomplish with the, the folks at play on sports, and he's a very busy guy, and we appreciate him uh, taking the time for certainly our most in-depth interview I think we've had on the CIAC cast. Moving along now to a chat with Don Boyle, who's a little bit more of a local perspective here for us. He handles many of the broadcasts for the CIAC network, so we wanted to talk to him about some of the logistics involved in covering these events. So I'm uh, happy to have with us here in the office, in the CIAC offices with me, a chance for an in-person interview with Don Boyle, who's a, a fellow that our, uh, our CIC network fans uh, are certainly familiar with from uh, some of his broadcasts, and he joined us for a, an earlier podcast discussing hockey championships. But uh, we're happy to have him here with us today to kind of talk about the CIC network from sort of the more logistics uh, end. We spoke with David Rudolph of, uh, of Play On, but we're going to talk to Don kind of more about on the ground, you know, getting the broadcasts on the air and all that sort of good stuff. So, Don, thanks for being with us. Uh, Joel, it's nice to be here, and I'd uh, love to be in this beautiful office here in Cheshire, as always, and uh, always get a free meal out of it. Well, that's exactly right. That's the good stuff coming up later. Um, so let's talk a little bit. As you said, you know, we, uh, you're, you've certainly been on the ground with this project really from the beginning uh, of the CIC's partnership with PlayOn. Um, but talk a little bit about uh, your sort of background, just in broadcasting, how you got into it, uh, sort of from the beginning. How about that? We'll uh, let the folks kind of know who they're uh, who they're hearing from here. Well, I'll get a little long in the tooth, so it's a long <laughs> story. But I'll give you the short version. Um, got into the radio business a um, long time ago, and I was actually at the University of New Haven. Broke my ankle playing hockey. I had a chance to work with the radio station as I couldn't suit up to play, obviously, and uh, kind of fell in love with radio at that particular point. Um, eventually got a job in Massachusetts uh, working for a couple of different radio stations and uh, then I had a, was lucky enough to get a contract to uh, call Harvard Hockey and Basketball Games and started my own uh, uh, radio station network with about four or five stations involved at one time and then uh, uh, the fast forward ahead I ended up uh, marrying uh, my old girlfriend who I met at the uh, University of New Haven and then uh, moved back here to Connecticut about nine years ago and uh, really had this dream to start an internet type radio station at the time and eventually evolved into a little video work with uh, some of the guys that I had met uh, at different venues uh, throughout the state and uh, things were moving forward and then uh, Play On really uh, took the idea that I kind of had, not that they didn't have their own idea, <laughs> and I'm not saying that not unique, but uh, uh, you know, they uh, they really expanded upon this uh, this video platform and they've done a terrific job with it. I, I really enjoyed working with it. So. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, it's been an exciting, exciting few uh, few months here for, for the CIAC uh, with this sort of burgeoning, burgeoning partnership. So obviously, you know, that background you talked about, you know, the, the sort of internet piece comes in at the very end there for the most part for you or in the last few years. As you've sort of been going through this and you've been, you know, served as both the on-air broadcaster and, you know, working obviously the technical, uh, you know, things behind the scenes, what are some of the challenges that, you know, the internet broadcasting, you know, presents as opposed to sort of more the standard, you know, radio or, or television broadcasting that you had done in the past? Yeah, radio is just a certain beauty to it, even if it's just internet radio or traditional radio, as you, as you might uh, take a look at it. Uh, when you move into the world of video, all of a sudden now you're starting to apply a, a, a lot more uh, preparation, uh, a lot more thought process uh, going into that preparation on who's going to run your cameras, uh, mm -hmm. the quality of work that they can perform <laughs> for you. Sure. Um, I, you know, I'm accustomed to using a lot of students, which I think is terrific because we're in a video world now, and uh, and it's a great chance to introduce these young guys uh, or girls to uh, to what video is all about and how you can use it. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, overall, it's a, it's an interesting challenge on the video side. You need more people. I think that's the biggest part of it. And then, uh, you know. Old arenas and stadiums, football stadiums, high school football stadiums, and baseball fields. Uh, there was never a 
thought that uh, you know video would be so prominent. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to facilities if it's not the Mohican Sun or the Ingalls Rink and things like that, where you really have to work around the obstacles of the the infrastructure, which is interesting and challenging. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about that preparation, um, which I know you know is is a huge part. Having worked with you uh, leading up to some of these events yeah. is is just you know a massive part of this. So if you could just talk a little bit about you know sort of. So say it's a, you know, it's a Monday or a Tuesday, you know you're doing a game you know, this coming weekend. Kind of walk us through what, what's going on sort of leading up to that game and then even at the day, you know, the day of the game uh, and getting that broadcast on the air. Well, what I do is I, I pray a lot and then, uh, <laughs> hopefully everything works out all right. Uh, you know, one of the deficiencies, and I'll start from there, like if you watch an ESPN broadcast or, uh, and you go, wow, on all those graphics, there's 80 to 90 people working on those graphic packages behind the scenes and sure. getting them ready. So we certainly don't have uh, that type of uh, type of help. So we keep the, the graphic part of it pretty simple. Right. Um, I, I really don't worry about too much other than a, a scoreboard. Um, you try to do a site uh, survey. Uh, so you go out to the facility and, uh, and, and a couple of days in advance and try to map out where you're going to put your cameras, where you're going to run your um, cabling uh, and keeping safety as, as the utmost concern, sure. obviously. So. Somebody doesn't trip over that stuff. Uh, from that standpoint, now you can realize she's like into a two or three camera shoot uh, where the broadcast is going to set up. Uh, so you try to answer all those type of questions and you try to go out and find your personnel to fit those roles, yeah. uh, depending on the budget, because it's a little more expensive. You know, that's another part of the, the video side of things. I mean, you know, cameras can be expensive, uh, you know, $3,500, $7,000, right. uh, you know, or as little as $400. And a little $400 cameras do a decent job now. Um, but the biggest obstacle to overcome would be the internet connection itself. For some yeah. reason, we've had the internet around long enough here in the United <laughs> States uh, that I don't know why it's just not, uh, you know, better wireless connections at uh, all high school facilities that we go to. It, it just, it's just mind-boggling, you yeah. know. Uh, but 4G cards work like Verizon's 4G card, the little plug I use that all the time. Uh, you're really starting to see a, a whole lot of improvement there. So that part of the puzzle is becoming a little more easy. Uh, to to overcome sure. that's still the biggest challenge because you got you, you need that pipeline yeah you know? absolutely. and as you said you know it, it's that's you know it's certainly as our schools and our venues sort of start to expand and we try to do you know more and more of this coverage that's I, I think that's really the the X factor that we run into is you know is it a, a school provided internet is it something that you're gonna have to do with the the Verizon card and things like that so so once you get to the the day of the game you know what's kind of Either if, if you, let's say you're you're doing the technical aspect, you're not going to be the on-air uh, talent for that day. What's sort of the process there as as you kind of get to to the the you know game day and you're, and you're ready to go? How's how's all that sort of coming together? You squeeze your production van because we're lucky enough to have one of those into a small little space without uh, putting any more scratches on it. That's uh, obstacle number one. Once you get over that, you set your right. truck. Uh, I use a piece of equipment called a TriCaster uh, more often than not, which gives you an opportunity to uh, switch multiple cameras okay. and also takes all the um, the graphic feed. So you'd set that head end up. Mm -hmm. uh, then you'd run your cabling. It would use baseball, for example. You might want to use the first and third base you know, um, locations uh, to set up video guys there. Um, you'd put one behind home plate because it's very difficult at most of these stadiums to get that custom uh, center field shot that, <laughs> sure. we're, that we're all that we love. Yeah. But, uh, so we go behind home plate with that. Um, you kind of give you have a little pre-production meeting with your with your camera operators and your directors and your other technical people, and you kind of go over their roles so they have some expectation of what they need to do. Right? Okay. They, they have an idea of what they're going to do. Uh, one example, say the first base, uh, you know, camera guy. He might be shooting the the pitchers pitchers mound. All right-handed batters coming up to the plate mm -hmm. um, from the second base over to the left field line and covering that part of the field, and vice versa on okay. the on the third base side. So you you know you try to give these uh, the camera guys a little direction on where they're going to go and what they're going to be pointing at and shooting. So, sure. But uh, then you kind of just remind them not to. You know, over zoom or over pan or just tilt the camera in certain ways that uh, that becomes disturbing to the viewer out there. So and, yeah. you know, nice and smooth and easy. Okay. Um, now, just a little kind of tilt that process a little bit. If you're the one actually, you know, if you're going to be on air, um, you know, you've obviously done uh, many games right. for us as well in, in that capacity. How is that 
process changing, you know, in terms of both preparing the, the crew, but then also, you know, your preparation for, for doing the actual broadcast as kind of the on-air person. Yeah. You know, personally, with the, all the stuff that goes on with the, the setup and preparation to get it all ready, I really don't do my due diligence like I used to in, in just preparing for a game. You know, once in a while I get a chance to work for another group that works closely with us, uh, CPTV Sports, and it's kind of a joy just to go prepare and do the game and not worry about the technical aspects of it. So, um Although the, it, it's not real difficult to do the, the technical side of things, but there's always that little bit of worry and people yep. asking you questions. So, you know, that five, ten minutes, you might have a chance to chat with a coach before a game. Hey, how's Johnny feeling today? Is Sally ready to play? Right. You kind of miss out on those opportunities to do that when you're worrying about the technical aspects of it, too. You yeah. Know? Um, but we get it done. Yeah. You know? Um. Now, you know, one thing, obviously, we're talking primarily about... Uh, you know, live broadcast, but, you know, one of the things that we have done and hope to continue to do at least until we have the capability to do, you know, yeah. kind of all live, uh, you know, we've done some sort of coverage, you know, um, sort of post-event, you know, kind of wrap-up coverage, sort of a, you know, a, a package, if you will, you know, things like cross-country championships or, or swimming and diving championships. How is that process? Obviously, there's more post-work, I would imagine, but can you kind of walk folks through how that process goes, you know, when you you provide sort of our, our post-event coverage of things like cross-country or, or swimming or, or that things like that. Or the unified sports sure, stuff that we absolutely. do, which is really a joy, which that's yeah. uh, it, terrific. I think this state has certainly uh, been a leader around the country here on, on how it should be done, absolutely. unified sports. So um, and we do a lot for them with that. But uh, basically what you want is two good camera guys that have a little bit of a creative uh, mind. Okay. You know, so you want, and, and, but you still want to set up a, set them up to with some direction you know you're going to interview x person and b person and c person and you know we're kind of looking for this theme sure with this little uh, piece we're putting together so you want to create a theme mm -hmm. prior to uh you have a little sit down again with your camera operators on what type of type of shots you're looking for uh, you know, if it's bowling, uh, you might be looking for that, uh, uh, the reaction to knocking down the pins uh, right. as much as the pins being knocked down by the bowling ball, you yeah. know, and, which was, uh, was kind of interesting watching the Unified a couple days ago doing that, so it's fresh <laughs> in my mind. Um, then after, you're right, a lot of post-production, you, you, know, you take all of it, you suck all the video into your computer program, uh, whatever program you use, uh, and uh, just kind of find the shots that you might feel as though uh, some would be interested in watching, you yeah. know, um, over and over again. And then you add some music to it and and you stay within your theme and hopefully you got a piece that people will enjoy or at least learn something about a, a particular sport or a, uh, an event that took place. Yeah, just in kind of in terms of rough, how, how long how long would you say roughly that takes you, the, the you know, the sort of editing and putting it all together? Yeah. How long does that process take just for folks who aren't familiar with it? If you do a good job with your, with your shoot, uh, with the, the videotaping that you do out in the field, it's not too bad on the other end. Because um, you, you actually have a little format put in place. Sure. You know? And the first time you do anything, the longer it takes. <laughs> and then after that, you kind of have your little formula so you know what you're looking for, you could, so you can zip through a little quick, more quickly. But the answer to the question, I guess, is the event probably three hours. Uh, you're probably there about 30, 40 minutes prior to to do your scene setting shots. And, and then the post-edit, uh, where you do all your editing, it, you know, anywhere from four to eight hours, sure. probably, a, okay. a good day, you know, yeah. and you probably split it up over two days. Um, because you always have, a, even when you do, you know, I know you do a lot of writing, Joel, you look at something the first day, oh, Absolutely. that's pretty good, you look at the second day, wow, that's really bad, I need <laughs> yes. to edit things. So, uh, I, it, yeah. I'm all too familiar <laughs> yeah. with that uh, with that feeling, unfortunately. And even with this, my limited editing of this, uh, of this podcast, it's certainly, uh, you know, we'll come back the next day and wondering what the heck I was doing. <laughs> right. um, so, you know, I just, I'm always sort of fascinated to ask, you know, people who have been involved in, in these professions for a long time and you sort of are out, you know, out, you know, uh, uh, on the fields and, and, you know, sort of anything can happen kind of things. And I'm always interested to sort of ask people what some of the sort of strangest, you know, I feel that people always have stories, you know, what are the, some of the, the oddest, you know, hurdles or challenges or strange things that have popped up, uh, you know, over the course of their career, either with, you know, the, just in the recent with the, the CIAC network or, you know, in, in sort of your time doing broadcasting, what is maybe one or two Kind of memorable, uh, you know, challenges that that popped up uh, uh, for you. A couple of challenges, I guess. The uh, the most interesting challenge as a broadcaster might have been the uh, Class Double baseball game a couple of years ago, Southington and Newington on that uh, uh, controversial play. Did he miss home plate or not? Uh, from a broadcaster's perspective, 
um, is how do you handle that? Sure. You know, you, there was so much going on. You got this kid running off the bag at second, thinking he won, so he's out of the baseline. <laughs> uh, supposedly, the ball may have been thrown into the stands, and it was like to try to uh, decipher all that and you know remain composed and try to paint the picture. Um, I thought we got lucky, and we did a pretty good job with it. You know, yeah. um, so that was one. Uh, another one recently was the the goal at, at the at the red light though as the green light came on that ended the division two championship game for the CIC which was a spectacular game. Sure. Another moment, another challenging moment from a broadcasting standpoint, not to get uh, you know overwhelmed by the situation and just try to paint the story. And I, I I thought we were okay with that one. I think the experience of the baseball game helped <laughs> out in that one. And the officials got it right. I thought in both cases. You know, yeah. the, the the team that should have won probably won in the long run. Um, the way things all played out from a technical aspect, it's really weather yep. can be the it can be the biggest hassle. Sure. Um, you know, I've, I've been out there calling a high school baseball game, and all of a sudden that lightning and that wind will pick up, and uh, you know you might have an umbrella because you had a little sprinkle of rain, and the thing flies away, <laughs> and there's lightning bolts coming down around you. Right. You know, so, that's the last yeah, thing you want yeah, to be hooked yeah, up to yeah, as much right, technical right. equipment as possible. Exactly. Exactly. And equipment will break down. Technology breaks down. Yep. You know, uh, that internet connection could be really good, and then all of a sudden it falters on you, and you got to scramble and things like that. But um, yeah, overall, uh, <laughs> it's it's it just you know every Every day is a challenge, and sure. every day is different. That's what I like about it. Yeah. You're dealing with a, a lot of great young people that are going to be our leaders in the future. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch and compete out there. Yeah, certainly with those, uh, as you said, those sort of controversial endings or whatever. You don't want to, you know, get too far out in front and and sort of act like you know what's going to happen because right. you probably don't know right. what the ultimate decision is going to be. Exactly. So how exactly. about uh, you know for sort of our fans who probably you know know the. The history of some of these big games. Any particularly memorable games that you know, in terms of more of the on-field action, yeah. as opposed to sort of challenges that cropped up. Yeah, it's still that Southington Newington game would be one of the most memorable. I think that kind of you know uh, drew the awe of the nation. But sure. quite a lot at the high school level, I think it got a lot of YouTube hits with yeah. the different camera angles are out there. Uh, you know. It, it, to me, every game is memorable. Yeah. It really is. I enjoy every single one of them. I really can't say that this one was much more outstanding than another because all of a sudden I'll think about it, why didn't I talk about this game? <laughs> sure. So, you know, whether it's a regular season or a championship game, I, I, I purely enjoy them all. Yeah. So I know I'm kind of skating around that oh, one a little right. bit, but, uh, you know. So, I mean, just I'm kind of, you know, kind of encouraged for our, for our listeners. What's your, you know, sort of... If there is, I'm sure there is no yeah. such thing as kind of an average week. But I mean, what? How is you know your sort of schedule? How do, how does your schedule break down? You know, in terms of number of games you're doing. I know you cover more than just Connecticut for yes. for the uh, the um, play on folks. So what's your sort of schedule like? You know, as you try to cover as much as you possibly can cover. I know. Yeah, the schedule's crazy. Uh, you know, it, it, it it's very difficult to uh, get in that exercise program you <laughs> might want to uh, you know <laughs> go for a run and and do that consistently four days a week or eat properly, it's, yeah. it's a little bit difficult because you're all over the place. You know, you mentioned, you know, we play on now expanding into New Hampshire, Rhode Island, uh, covering their championship games. Uh, you know, I might leave at three o'clock in the afternoon, head up to Rhode Island's 1030 at night, and, you know, you're coming on back. That's that's the biggest obstacle, you yeah. know, is, is trying to do, create that normal side, uh, but sure. the, the normalcy in your life, I think, you know, uh, with your family and things like that, because you're out three, four, five nights a week. Yeah. Uh, a lot of sacrifice on weekends, too. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk to young folks who want to get into the business, whether it's behind the scenes or as a broadcaster, I said, you know, you really got to commit yourself to this. You got to go beyond the call of duty. You really do. And uh, yep. you be there when you don't want to be there. Yep. You know, you got to give up a lot of time and your weekends. Yep. You know, your Thursday nights, your Friday nights, your Saturday nights, you know, uh, your Sunday mornings once in a while, you yep. know, um, and be prepared for that if you really want to make it in the industry. You know, it's not nine, to, it's certainly not nine to five. Yep. But that's one of the uh, the great things about it. I love it. Yeah. You know, nice thing is I don't have to get up really early in the morning for the most part. And <laughs> that's much, good. You know, yeah, so. that's uh, sounds ideal for my wife. Yeah. That's, yeah. Right. She would uh, avoid those mornings. But yeah, no, it's certainly the the nine to five is yeah. not, and and particularly as you said, the weekends. Yeah. You know, you can just that they just get swallowed up with exactly. all the the competition. Um, you know, you talked about you know working with future broadcasters. I know we spoke with with David about the school yeah. broadcast program with Play On, and that's something that. You know they're very excited about, it. and we're certainly hope that uh, folks in Connecticut take advantage of. You are sort of one of the 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 implementers, if you right. will, of the school broadcast program. Can you talk a little bit, excuse me, um, just about you know how the process works when you know a school says I'm you know we want to 
become a part of that. I know we've got a couple uh, in Connecticut that have right. sort of started either laying the groundwork or really have started doing some of the broadcasts. How does that whole sort of thing shake out? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I, it, it, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it a little bit because um, it, it's something when I first started my website a few years ago, um, I really wanted to put in a place here in the mm -hmm. state of Connecticut to give each school an opportunity um, to broadcast their own games you know, or other events. There could be a school play or the graduation ceremonies. I know I've, I've covered the graduation ceremonies now for uh, Notre Dame West Haven and West Haven High School over the last four or five years and it's well received and um, it's just terrific. So it doesn't have to be just sports, but right. uh, with the broadcast program, it, it's really an opportunity uh, through Play On, which has a great back end that saves you a ton of time. Yeah. I mean, the way I used to do it, it used to take an hour after every game to upload it onto the website so that people could watch the on-demand or the rebroadcast of the event. Uh, they, they've solved all that with a yeah. great support system in the back end uh, for just about any question you have. Um, so their, their streaming platform is solid. Um, it works well. You can work with simply one camera, nice graphic package into their software platform that makes it look nice. Um, it's just a matter of getting the schools to step up to the plate now and embrace this. Yeah. You know, and uh, which is not easy because it, it, every school is fearful that am, am I going to have the adult supervision there mm -hmm. that I need? You know, a three or four or five kids going to grasp this and, and and take it to the next level? Do they really want to? Because again, we're talking about that commitment factor. Yep. You know, there's always that commitment factor. So that would be the biggest obstacle, overcoming that commitment factor. But I would urge every school out there to contact me or contact Play On, and then you'd have to see me. <laughs> and, uh, You're not avoiding you up. Right, no, right, right, exactly. And we can set you up. It's pretty easy, you know. It's as simple as a, a computer with a software program built in, um, a little video converter card that takes it from a digital signal or analog signal into a digital signal and puts it into your computer and you're up and going. So it, it is really that simple. Sure. Uh, so it's not overly complicated for those folks, I think, that are a little leery and want to stay away from that regard. I think it's terrific. It's yeah. Perfect way to raise money for your booster clubs. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. It, you know, it gets away from that old traditional, uh, you know, magazine style yep. or program style um, advertising for your your local community business out there. So I, I think it be, should be great. Yeah, and I think, you know, what's so great about all of this technology in, in a lot of ways, and I was going to talk about this with David a little bit and didn't get a chance, you know, it's, there's no, it's it's really an outlet for creativity, I think, you know, exactly. because you can, you know, it's sort of, that's one of the reasons I love writing, you know, for the web, because, you know, you're not restricted by, you know, length or anything like that, you know, you can sort of, it can, can it can become what you want it to be because the technology will allow it to be that. So you oh, sort absolutely. of you know if like you said you know you want to be broadcasting school plays or, or whatever it is you know it just if you've got the sort of willingness as you said the kids who want to put in the time to do it will be able to to really I get think get rewarded by it. Oh, so. absolutely. I know you know I know a lot of people know that I actually do an awful lot of work with Notre Dame West Haven. Embrace it and in my opinion done it right. Um, you know, maybe it's the fact that I'm, I'm there a lot that helps with that. But, uh, you know, on their administrative side, they, they have decided to make a commitment to it. They raise enough money to pay the bills, so to speak, to uh, uh, do the broadcast, to purchase some equipment, and it doesn't affect the school budget at all. So they, they go out and they find, uh, you know, the folks who support it through advertising through their GoGreenNight.com. So uh, that opportunity is out there for every school, and if they can do it, I know every high school out there can do it. You know, especially these schools where they have the uh, pay-to-play program. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to get your, your community involved. They yeah. get something back. It's a win-win for everybody. So I, I hopefully these schools will embrace this program because yeah. uh, it's the future. It's where it is, and yeah. it's uh, you know you see every college major and minor using it now. Yeah, you know they all do it, and it attracts people to your website and it creates a, a great awareness. I yeah. Think it well, and you know I think it's also you know it's not. It's not limited to just the athletes, you know, That's you don't right. have to be a, you know, an athletic kid, you know, maybe just you've yeah. never been interested in sports, but you're interested in the technology side yeah. of it, you know, you know, it's not just, you know, the kids who are on all the teams, it's, exactly. a, it's a learning, you know, it's another way that sports is, can be a learning experience for, for other kids. Yeah. And, which, and I'm glad you I brought that up, great. absolutely, Joel, you know, at, at Notre Dame, I've seen these kids that were non-traditional um, sports events. Yeah. And now they're clamoring to be part of the broadcast to go out and do these different events. It's, yeah. And it's terrific. <clears throat> and they get it from the standpoint of the technological side. Yeah. Um, they, and it, it gets them out. It, it creates some social awareness for them. 
uh, the biggest pleasure. You know, you, you may not see these two different groups come together as, as friends, and I'm using those terms loosely. I'm just trying to paint a picture with it. Um, but, you know, you got your athletes and then you got your non-athletes and, you know, they go down the hallway and they really don't know who they are. All of a sudden now they're talking. Yeah. Hey, thanks for doing the game last night. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching you play. We're going to come out and do another one. Where are you going to do it? So yeah. it brings two different communities together, which is really pretty cool. Yeah, and, uh, no, I think it's, uh, it's a great, great experience. So we really hope that yeah. fans, uh, and as David talked a little bit about how uh, on the, the play on side, who you can contact and there's information yeah. on play on's website uh, about all that. So we certainly hope. Folks, uh, take advantage of it. And, and Don Boyle, we, we appreciate all your work. We appreciate you coming into the office here in, in Cheshire and visiting with us. And for those folks out there who see Don out there, you can say thank you for all of his, uh, <laughs> his efforts in, in covering. Uh, he's been a great uh, great resource for the CIAC in, in covering all these events. And I know he'll be very, very busy with the spring uh, sports picking up in the next few weeks. So, Don, appreciate you coming in and chatting with us and telling us a little bit about your uh, what you're doing out there on the road. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thanks very much to Don Boyle for coming in and chatting with us. Love getting his perspective on how the CIC broadcast and the CIC network come together and really appreciate his insight. And we appreciate you listening in with us this week. A very, uh, very long episode of the CIC cast. I hope you enjoyed it. This look at the play on sports and the CIC network and how that relationship and, uh, product may be coming more to you as we go forward here and continue to expand the things that we're able to provide. So we thank you for joining us. Remember, you can follow the CIAC on Twitter at CIAC Sports. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. And then, of course, you can email the CIAC cast at CIACcast at CASCIAC.org. So certainly send along your emails. Let us know if there's issues or topics that you'd like us to address or just any questions that you may have for the podcast. And we'll get to those in perhaps a future edition. So thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back again next week here on the CIAC Cast.